With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host coming to you from Oakland, California, here on Wednesday, November 28, 2018. And I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, are you ready to preview Northwestern? Big Ten West champion, Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, Big Ten West champion, Northwestern. Um, yeah, I, I've been... Uh, I, I mean, thinking about this game quite a bit because I cover Ohio State. But... The they've kind of like not kept me up at night, but I'm I can't really comprehend this Northwestern team. They're they're eight and four, and they seem to be good. I mean, they won the Big Ten West, and you can't do that if you're bad. And they they I think only had one Big Ten loss to to Michigan by three in a game that they very very nearly won. But all of the advanced statistics say that they stink. Uh, especially on offense, and they've pretty much skated by every single team that they played this year. Um, they don't really get blown out, but they also really don't win by a whole lot when they do win, and I, I think that that's probably because of how bad their offense is. But there there are certainly, I mean, it's a very unique football team in, in that they're good despite not having good players or being good at football they they just kind of win games and it, it's it's interesting to me they're almost like the inverse of ohio state where you know ohio state is as talented as they are and they just kind of stumbled through this season and northwestern meanwhile is i mean northwestern's pretty talented but they spent the whole year kind of playing up without actually playing all that well and and winning games without actually doing anything to win those games and it's just it's a really baffling resume that they have yeah looking at their schedule right now and the results a three-point win over nebraska a three-point win over rutgers i wasn't even sure that that game existed (laughs) they beat wisconsin by 14 they beat michigan state by 10 they beat Iowa 14 to 10 they beat Minnesota by 10 and they beat Illinois by 8 so it just seems like they've been doing enough but you know there's also one team in this game that's beaten Purdue and it's not Ohio State it is it is Northwestern (laughs) but at the same time Ohio State did beat Michigan and that was one of Northwestern's losses a game they could have won but just looking at this team and trying to I don't I have no idea where we where we break this down because Ohio State has been so confusing this season. They've been down for most of the year and then we see what they did last week against Michigan and it's like, okay, where has this been all season? Will it continue? And I, I think that that's probably the biggest question of this game and what everybody needs to answer is how confident are you that what we saw last week is going to carry over 
to this week because Ohio State is playing a team here without a very good offense that has a pretty good defense. And you could see some similarities. The talent disparity is there between Northwestern and Michigan. But I think Northwestern will probably want to do the same things in theory that Michigan wanted to do on defense. And it's just a matter of them being able to execute it a little bit better. But it's also a matter of will Ohio State stick with what worked not only from an X's and O's standpoint, but from an aggression standpoint, from defense and the way that they wanted to play. It just felt like there was a whole different philosophy last week. And to me, that's really the biggest question here in whether Ohio State is not only going to win, but how much are they going to win by is how much that we saw last week carries over to this week. Yeah, and I I think that the... I'm not. I don't think Ohio State loses this game. I, I think Ohio State's going to win this game, but I'm not super confident. At least not as much as as some others that Ohio State's going to blow out Northwestern. Because, like we mentioned, Northwestern really doesn't get blown out. I mean, their losses are by ten, three, five, and fourteen, and the fourteen was in the second week of the season. And like, I, I with Ohio State and with the way that Ohio State has played. This year, I mean, there's a there's a much greater chance that they play like they did for 11 of the 12 games than they do like the one, um, the one obviously being the Michigan game, and the schematic changes that Ohio State made in the Michigan game, specifically on defense with linebackers playing more zone, not being up on the line, were great, and we talked about those in the the recap show. And offensively, that they were prepared for Michigan's defense and they took advantage of what Michigan's defense can't do. And then they turned that around later on in the game. That's great. But it really did seem like, and I I said this almost as a joke on Twitter, that Ohio State spent the whole year game planning for Michigan. But it, it really did seem like they spent the whole year just game planning for Michigan. And that's, you know, like I, I, I know that's not actually the case, but like several players have said that they were doing like the Woody Hayes thing where they would spend 30 minutes at the end of every practice looking towards Michigan and preparing for that game. Um, And it it showed (laughs) because that was the first game all year that they were prepared for. And now they have to turn around and prepare offensively for a team that plays a wildly different style. Northwestern is almost all zone, and and Michigan was almost all man defense. Um, And then offensively, Northwestern, they're not a ton to have to deal with, obviously. I mean, they're not particularly good on offense. They're not at all explosive, which is what has killed Ohio State this season. But they do still have a quarterback who's pretty decent in Clayton Thorson. Um, Isaiah Bowser seems to be okay at running back. He's he's getting there um, in replacing Jeremy Larkin, who had to retire earlier this season. And um, Their receivers aren't great by any means, but I do think that Northwestern is enough of an actual football team that Ohio State will have to prepare for them, and Ohio State didn't do that for quite a few games this season. So I'm certainly... I'm not going to just say that, well, Ohio State's going to blow them out because that's what Ohio State does now. Because, I mean, Ohio State did that once this whole season. Yeah, and and for me, we're going to talk a lot about how Ohio State's offense matches up with this defense because that's the strongest part of Northwestern's team. 
But even looking back to Michigan, I, I felt confident that at the very least they would be able to put up yards. They would be able to put up points. I, I think even with some of their inconsistencies this season, they've been able to at least do that sans maybe the Michigan State game. They've been able to move the ball if there's been balance issues at certain times or even was against Michigan. But I think invariably they, they can move the ball against this defense. Can they score 62 points again? Probably not. That that probably isn't going to happen, but I'm still confident they'll move the ball and score points. But this season to me has hinged on how well the defense plays. And if I'm just going to give away my prediction right now, I do think that they win this game in a blowout. And it's not because, hey, we saw them turn the corner against Michigan. Everything's fine now. This is what the ideal is. They're just going to execute that week in and week out. I think for me, Northwestern just doesn't have the skill set as a team to match up well with them. They don't fit the profile of teams that have hurt Ohio State because, like you said, this is an offense that's one of the least explosive in the country, whether it's running the ball or passing the ball. And if they try to do what Michigan did where it's, hey, let's move the ball down the field in 9, 10, 11 plays – They aren't as talented even as Michigan, and they're going to turn the ball over. They're going to make mistakes even against this defense. And if they have to play field position all game, you know, we, you and I have talked about one of the things that has defined Ohio State's season is playing these lesser talented teams and being able to wear them out in the second half. And maybe Northwestern's able to play field position in the first half and can do enough on defense to limit what Ohio State does but the key to this is their offense and I don't foresee them being able to move the ball enough and make the explosive plays necessary to really keep this a game and eventually I think that they're just going to get leaned on and maybe it's not a blowout to the tune of what Ohio State did against Michigan or in the 2014 Big Ten title game against Wisconsin but I just don't think that what their profile says they are matches up well here because if you can't generate ex- explosive plays against this defense, you're kind of screwed. So you, it's either going to end up like the Michigan game or maybe a better comparison is the Michigan State game, depending on how well Ohio State's offense plays. Yeah, speaking specifically on Northwestern's offense, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really not sure what all they'll be able to do, if much of anything. I mean, the I think that their best chance is that um, Ohio State does still employ Greg Schiano and and Bill Davis and <laughs> Greg Schiano. He can he can screw it up if he really wants to. He um, he is more than capable of finding a way to lose to Northwestern and finding a way to let the 108th best offense in S and P plus uh, beat his his defense. And I, I think that he could like um, he'll put seven linebackers out there instead of defensive backs and we'll just play with four linemen seven linebackers all of the linebackers will be on the line it's good it's smart that he does that and i think that he could he could really try to get fancy with it and see if he can blitz 11 guys at once like a punt block um (laughs) and i i don't know i i think that the fact that ohio state has been so dumb all year long defensively will give Northwestern at least 13 points and that's not going to be enough to win obviously but 
even with the their complete lack of explosiveness. I mean, they have no explosiveness at all. They're 125th in uh, isolated points per play. I mean, that's just dreadful. And efficiency-wise, they're not a whole lot better. But Ohio State's defense makes so many mistakes over the course of a game. And I don't think they're going to be as excited, I guess, for this game as they were for the Michigan game. And the Michigan game... Well, some of it was was certainly scheme. A lot of it was just that players were playing harder. Um, you know, Malik Harrison was playing extremely hard all game long, and Tough Borland was playing hard. And the the guys who have caused issues this year, specifically the linebackers, were really going all out. And um, it, it helped that they had the room to do that, and they were allowed to play zone and and read the the offense. But it also helped that it was the Michigan game, and they were very much motivated for that game. And <clears throat> I, I do think that they will be, I mean, obviously they'll be up for this game. It's the Big Ten Championship. But I just, the, these guys, this this team, it's a little bit different of a, a team personality, just in general, than the ones that Urban Meyer's used to. And that's not I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if if the coaches could adjust to it, but this is a little bit more laid back of a team, and sometimes those laid back teams aren't as ready for these big games, and um, it, it would take a coaching staff to game plan for it, and I'm not confident that Ohio State can do that, so I'm I'm not super sure it'll be a blowout. Yeah, I, I think that that's really just the thing in this game is how confident are you that they can do that, and for me it just stems more of what Northwestern can't do than what Ohio State is going to do just based off of last week. And you're right, there there is a, a difference between the players and the leadership of this team and even last year's team. Because when you look back, there there is kind of a history where when they smell blood in the water, and I think this is a blood in the water type of game where, hey, whether it's how realistic the playoff is or not and them getting in is up for debate, but it's a possibility. And I think that they've shown when that's on the line and when they play in these type of games, historically they've performed very well. And they've smelled that blood in the water and against a team like Northwestern who, as we've seen and dissected from their stat profile, has a lot of flaws and doesn't match up well with them. They've been able to take advantage of it, but... At the same time, this isn't the same type of team. This isn't the same leadership. So can they step up and do it? Will they step up and do it? Or will we see kind of what we saw against Wisconsin last year where they got out to a lead, it looked like they were going to blow them out, but they made the game closer than it needed to be and it probably hurt their chances to get into the playoff. I don't know. That's really the question here. Can Ohio State do it? Will they take advantage Will they understand what their advantages are, and will they make the most of them? Yeah, let, let's talk about the Ohio State offense a little bit against the Northwestern defense. And uh, I mentioned earlier that the Northwestern defensive scheme is pretty significantly different from Michigan's in that uh, Northwestern does a ton of zone and it is mostly cover two. And Ohio State hasn't faced a ton of zone this year a lot of teams have, have kind of gone away from zone a little bit which I disagree with but um it's it's not as popular and the Big Ten as it used to be and Northwestern is is one of the teams that runs it and they run it pretty well um specifically in the middle of the field they're they're very strong with linebackers like Blake Galligan and Patty Fisher who's kind of the face of the defense 
And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm concerned about the zone because Dwayne Haskins is extremely good against zone. He, he's been extremely good when he has faced zone this season. He, he can read it really well and kind of pick it apart. And I, I think in years past with uh, perhaps a different wide receivers coach, I would be more concerned about the zone than I am with the current receivers and the current receivers coach because they seem to be able to find that space that they were not uh, able to do in, in years past, maybe because their coach wasn't like showing up to practice or, or something like that. I don't know. Um, but big if true. Yeah, big if true. I wonder, I wonder who the last receivers coach at Ohio State was and if he maybe wasn't doing a a very good job. Um, <laughs> but the the passing game is obviously kind of Ohio State's bread and butter offensively. They're not still super capable of running. The, the running game has been less of a conversation recently because they're winning again. But they still can't really run until late in games, and that'll remain true against Northwestern because it's, it's kind of hard to run on a zone, especially Northwestern zone, because they don't really miss tackles. But I do think that if you know, Dwayne Haskins can have time in the backfield, which he, he should if the line keeps playing well and they keep leaving a second or third guy back there to help him. And the receivers can find room in the zone, which is, is kind of what a zone is. It's how you break it, is by having your receivers find open space in it and by setting up plays that take eyes away from the zone that they're supposed to be in. And I'm not... Again, I'm not super confident that the coaching staff knows that, which is, I mean, it's it's strange to say about a professional coaching staff, but I mean, <laughs> they spent the whole year not knowing how to game plan for things and the zone is tricky and it, it might come down to Ohio State's talent and Ohio State is more talented, obviously, but it could be one of those games. We've mentioned the Michigan State game a couple of times. I think it could look a lot like that. Where it's like a it's like a twenty four thirteen final, like the the championship game last year against Wisconsin, where it's just very ugly and never really all that close, but just bad to watch. I, I think it could be really bad to watch. What I would really like to see is a start similar to what we saw last week, and Ohio State came out in that first possession. And the first play was a passing play, but I think Haskins scrambled for nine yards and then they got a first down with J.K. Dobbins. And then the next four plays as they went down the field were all passing plays. They were all those crossing routes. And there probably will have to be a little bit of adjustment there given the differences in Northwestern's defense in that zone. I don't think that they're going to be as susceptible as Michigan was to those crossing routes. But just being aggressive on that first drive because – I talked about it on the last episode. This team, and this has been a thing, I think, for a couple of years, maybe even going back to like 2015, they seem to play so much better when they start fast and they kind of get that early confidence like, okay, we we did get an early stop. We did get an early touchdown. Let's go beat the hell out of these guys. I think that maybe that's a little bit overplayed in the general scope of football, but I think it's really important for this team to get out to a fast start. And if they're able to and get that confidence and kind of get Northwestern's defense on their heels, like, oh shit, these guys can score on us. Is our offense going to be able to keep up? That's the ideal game for Ohio State is being able to strike early and kind of get out of that mindset of, like we're saying, playing the Michigan State game, playing the Wisconsin Big Ten title game last year and making this more into a track meet because – you know, newsflash, if Michigan's corners couldn't run with Paris Campbell 
and Johnny Dixon and Chris Olave, Northwestern's corners and safeties aren't going to be able to do that either. So they have to really figure out a way to get these guys into some open space. And hopefully we see a little bit more of those pot pass type plays with Paris Campbell because even though Northwestern is different on defense, the athletes are still there for Ohio State. And I think that that's the great, not equalizer because they're already ahead in that in that department, but that can really push it even further. It's just like, hey, we know what Northwestern does, but let's do what we do and just get the ball to our players. That That's really my thing here. Get the ball to the players. We saw what happened last week and everything else will take care of itself. And you kind of spoke about it after the Michigan game that the run game wasn't all that great for the first two and a half quarters, but once they just bludgeoned Michigan's defense with those crossing routes and through the air so much, it really opened up the running game. And I think that that's been the best way for them to run the ball all season is by use of the passing game, wearing out the defense that way, spreading them out, and then, hey, when they have a lead, this is when we're going to bludgeon you with the offensive line, and this is when we're going to run the ball down your throat. And that's really where a guy like Mike Weber, I think, has had his most success this season. Yeah, and you, you do mention the um, the cornerback speed disparity. I will say Montre Hardage is really good, and um, I, I think that he can hang with Ohio State's receivers. But on the, the, the running game front and starting strong, I think that we'll know pretty quickly if Ohio State's going to blow out Northwestern. I, I think that if they come out on the first drive and they're throwing corner routes, they're finding soft spots in the zone. They seem to know where the the zone is um, and, and how to beat it. Then I think we'll know pretty quickly if it's going to be a blowout. But if they come out and they're trying to run mesh on a zone, they come out and they they think that last week's game plan was a, a catch-all for the whole season and they can just do that, it could be trouble. And the the negative thing about Northwestern running that zone for Ohio State's sake is, and you, you mentioned the, you know, the cornerbacks, I'll go back to the cornerbacks not being capable or athletic enough to, to catch up with Ohio State's receivers. And I think that would be true in man, but in zone, that's really not going to be a big deal, I don't think. And Ohio State can certainly take advantage of that, but again, it, it goes back to the coaching staff, and if they're prepared, then I think we'll see it right away, because I do think that we'll see a lot of Mike Weber. I think that we'll see a lot of um, you know, specific blocking schemes where you're pulling the guard. Um, they, they haven't done that a ton this year, and that works really well against the zone. So if we're seeing guard pulling, we're seeing them run to the outside a little bit more, um, then we'll know that they're prepared. But if they if they come out, then they're just trying to run right up the middle. If they come out and they're trying to do the same game plan as last week, it could be trouble for the offense. How do we feel about Wyatt Davis getting the start? We didn't talk about it on the last episode. Demetrius Knox, it looks like he's out for the season. His Ohio State career looks to be over at this point. So sad to see Knox go out last week. Hope he gets up on the mend and, you know, best in, in whatever he does in his future. How do we feel about uh, Wyatt Davis being in? We comfortable with that? Well, we've seen a couple pretty high-profile Ohio State injuries this year. And um, it seems like just about every one of them, the replacement has been just fine, if not better. 
obviously with the you know Isaiah Pryor and, and Jordan Fuller being replaced by Brendan White in that game because of an injury and then an ejection to Fuller, and White is a starter now over Pryor and Austin Mack being injured and, and Chris Olave coming out and uh, being the best receiver on the field against Michigan. And <clears throat> I, I, I think that Demetrius Knox is a very good player, and I'm I'm sad to see his career end like this. But Wyatt Davis was a five-star, and he wasn't on the field, and I'm not really sure why he wasn't on the field because he's, he's very talented. So I, I think that this could be another one of those like where he's dominant, and after the game we're asking, hey, why wasn't this guy starting the whole year? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think that there's a couple guys on this line who, when they're starting next year, will say, uh, hey, why wasn't this guy starting like next year, specifically like uh, – Nicholas Petit Frere and uh, Josh Myers, I think, will apply in in there. And not as much a why wasn't he playing, but why wasn't he playing here when um, Michael Jordan moves back to guard next year and is awesome again. So I am really, I'm not super worried about it just because it, you know, Ohio State has not exactly had the best personnel decisions this year. And I, I think that this could be another one of those. So defensively, I feel like we've, We've kind of broken down what we think the offense is going to do and what the keys are there. Where do we start defensively? What do we even talk about? Because this Northwestern offense is is so bad. How is preseason Big Ten Chicago Tribune Player of the Year Clayton Thorson going to do? Probably not. He just looks like an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Probably Patrick. not. Well, he just looks like an NFL QB. <laughs> he just he just has that. You know, he he has it. He looks good in shorts. Yeah. He looks good in pads and shorts, and he he's got that arm. He's got that arm. That's that's my NFL draft guru analysis. He he's got it. He, he looks he looks the part. He's got it, and um, you know you you just when you have the chance to draft a guy who has completed sixty percent of his passes, fourteen touchdowns to twelve interceptions, <laughs> um, under eleven yards of completion, almost a seven percent sack rate. I mean, you have to take that chance when you can draft a guy like that who can throw the ball 15 yards in the air and look extremely good doing it, and um, he'll always stand for the anthem. And we have to draft him. <laughs> we have to draft he's a, lead- him first he's a real leader of men. He's a real leader of men. He's got it. He, he's got all of the intangibles. He's a high-ceiling guy. He's a real real coachable player you you know he's got a lot of grit and you just you you love to see a guy like him playing football the right way by throwing 12 interceptions um and 14 touchdowns total in an entire season i think he's gonna look like crap because he's a bad quarterback Six four, two twenty six, rocket arm phenomenal yeah. get out of here mel kiper <laughs> we don't want you here <laughs> well we've got all of the espn personalities on this show <laughs> Right. I don't know what they're doing out here in California. Stay out of here. For for this matchup, we've we've alluded to it not only this episode, but we've talked about it all season. If teams have the profile, if they can make explosive plays, if they have dynamic athletes, if they have a good offensive coaching staff that's creative, they can give this Ohio State defense fits. I think Northwestern is 0 for 3 on that front when it comes to having a creative staff, having dynamic athletes, and being explosive. They just they do not fit what I think is an offense that can give this defense fits. 
and that's why I feel like, especially early on, we're going to see a lot of Gaga from this Northwestern offense. We're going to see something crazy. We're going to see a double pass. We're going to see a double reverse pass. Just some crazy shit from them to try to be able to move the ball down the field because Ohio State has been over-aggressive at times. They can get out of position. So I think that if they want to do that, that that's the best option early is to try to get them off their line with something super, super aggressive and to try to be able to generate explosive plays however they can. Yeah, I, I do think that we'll probably see some some trickery from Northwestern, be it a, a wide receiver pass type thing, um, wh- whatever that may entail. Pat Fitzgerald is certainly not new to that kind of um that approach to playing against uh, teams that are better than his and I, I think that we could see somebody like uh Bennett Skowernick who's their their biggest receiver having a big day however they what's he doing not on Wisconsin's roster with that type of <laughs> really I really don't know it's a it's a missed opportunity for Wisconsin I mean Clayton Thorson is the ultimate in Wisconsin quarterbacks I don't know how he didn't end up there but um Man, I'm looking at this list of receivers now. They've got some names. <laughs> they got Flynn Nagel, Bennett Skowronek, Ramad, I, I can't, Ramad Chiakiano Bowman, Riley Lees. These, this is a Wisconsin team. Ohio State's playing Wisconsin. <laughs> Flynn Nagel definitely sounds like he's going to catch 18 passes for 100 100- 98 yards on Bradley Roby. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, can we bring Roby back for this game? I mean, we've kind of got the next one of him. I'll let people guess which <laughs> which cornerback I'm talking wow. about. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, we're going there today. <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult or not, because he's been in the NFL for like 30 years somehow. I feel like he, he made a lot of plays at Ohio State, though, even if he hasn't been great in the NFL. And he had his moments, for sure, including that Jared Aberderis game, if people don't, don't get the <sighs> reference. Um, yeah, right? But yeah, is, is there any way that Northwestern can consistently move the ball? Um, Isaiah Bowser might be able to run. Their line isn't terrible. I mean, it, it really does. We mentioned it earlier. It really does come down to... Um, if Ohio State screws it up bad enough that Northwestern can take advantage. Uh, I mean, somebody like Solomon Vault, wide receiver, who's carried 44 times this year. I'm not really sure <laughs> not really sure what happened there because he has uh, 69 total yards on 44 carries. So that's not ideal. Um, but he, he could see some, some jet sweep action. Um, maybe they'll try to have Clayton Thorson run just to make us laugh. But outside of that, I, I think that Northwestern has about a 15-point a ceiling in this game. That's probably not going to win a lot of games no. unless you're playing Well, unless you're Northwestern because it seems like they just win games with 15 points. <laughs> I'm just looking at Northwestern's coaching staff, and yeah, Mick McCall, mm. we want we want to complain about what we have here. I, Ohio State offensive coordinator Mick McCall. Yeah, I'm in. I'm sold. <laughs> And a lot of these guys are like old CU guys. It, look, retreads it looks like that a, I've seen. They're terrible. Yeah. This is a bad coaching staff. Outside, I, I, for as much shit as we give Pat Fitzgerald, like he's objectively a good coach and does what he can with with that roster and his limitations. But some of his coordinator hires are just very interesting yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Um. It looks like a Michigan staff from like 1998 that everyone would think is awesome. You know, like we we got Mick McCall. 
He's you know he's he's revolutionizing the game by um, he he pretends that there's going to be a handoff, but then the quarterback keeps it and throws it down the field, <laughs> and everyone is just shocked by that. <laughs> this feels like it is a Al Borges quality control offensive offensive <laughs> staff. Who I saw got fired the other day, by the way. Poor Al Borges. Rest in peace, Al Borges. You will be missed. Special teams is is really. Do we have any other thoughts on the defense? It's just it's the usual for them for me. Don't give up big plays. If the defensive line gets to Thorson and creates havoc in the run game, then it's really over. I think that's that's the big thing. There is like the defensive line plays the way they did against Michigan. There's really no shot that Northwestern has to move the ball. So that and if the Ohio State just keeps their linebackers like five yards away from the line of scrimmage, then. Everything will be peachy. Yeah, I, I think that that's you know I, I think that's about what it comes down to is is Ohio State going to be prepared or are they not going to be prepared and whatever happens happens and I, I do think Ohio State can win on talent alone and I don't know I mean we said that all year and they 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 did but it was very close and Northwestern doesn't make a ton of mistakes but. I think defensively, they're just, you know, I, I don't think Northwestern can score enough on this defense and create enough big plays to win. How many pass interference penalties? 30. That's, 30. That seems like a fair fair place <laughs> to set the over-under, just on one guy or on both of them? If we get a third in there, if we throw Okuda in there, it could be 45. I mean, I, I think that we're going to have 30 combined from Sheffield and Arnett, 15 each, perfectly balanced. Um, you get Okuda in there, 45, um, maybe throw in one of the freshmen and get it up to 60. I, I think that, that I think they can do it. I think they can get it done and get to a, a record number of pass interferences. Well, it couldn't, it didn't really help Michigan that much. And that seems to be the only way that Northwestern is going to be able to move the ball in this one. The last thing on this game that I have is special teams. We'd be remiss. We haven't talked enough about Drew Chrisman on this show other than after the Michigan State game. And if this is going to be similar to the Michigan State game, then you would figure he's going to play a very key role in this as well as some of the gunners, Terry McLaurin, who we've seen make a lot of plays downfield on punts, Jeff Okuda as well. So punting might be a big part of this game. Might not. Depends how Ohio State's offense looks. Yeah, the it's strange to talk about, but the punting legitimately is one of Ohio State's better weapons, um, especially like in the Michigan State game where the punting won them the game. And I don't know if it'll be that. I think that Ohio State's offense should be able to move the ball pretty consistently. But if they do need Drew Chrisman, they have him. And that's that's a very nice weapon to <laughs> to have. Drew Chrisman is a weapon. <laughs> He's the best weapon. Yep. He's a war crime. Walking war crime. Um, <laughs> what, what what are you thinking for this game score-wise? Uh, I, I said that I, I don't think that they're going to be able to put up what they did against Michigan. That was kind of the perfect storm. We saw them also score on a blocked punt. They flipped the field with a couple of turnovers, which led to easy points. I think that they're going to be able to turn Northwestern over a couple times and get into advantageous positions again. And maybe that they're not going to move the ball like they did against Michigan but I still think that they're going to be successful and 
defensively, I just I don't see any way that Northwestern can take advantage of Ohio State's deficiencies. And I, I do think that they understand what's at stake here and the position they've put themselves in and the possibilities of playing in the playoff or, you know, whatever it may be. They know it's a possibility to still get in there, whether it's realistic or not. It's there. And I think that they're going to be able to take advantage of that and play well. And so I'll go something around 48 to 13. And I think that I want to clarify this. This is part, hey, this is what we saw last week. I think that they're going to be able to build on it. But a lot of it's also just, this is a really, really bad matchup for this Northwestern team. And I think that certain things are going to steamroll in this game and make it to where Ohio State just kinds of kind of runs them over. Yeah, I, I could see that. I've got I've got Ohio State 31-14. I don't think the offense will be as good as we want them to be, but um they they win easily. I think that they score the 31 in like 3 quarters and then just kind of coast. That I I think that a a blowout win is pretty much their only hope at getting into the the playoff over Oklahoma, which leads into a, a very smooth <laughs> transition. Um, the playoff rankings came out last night, and I, I know that you weren't watching the show live. I didn't watch the show live, but the the main thing for Ohio State is that Oklahoma's fifth and Ohio State is sixth, which essentially I think means that if both teams win, Oklahoma's in. Which, as I've said on here before, I'm I'm fine with. I think Oklahoma's the better team overall. I think their offense is is significantly better and more consistent than Ohio State's. And um, I would not not much rather, but I'm perfectly fine with Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl and playing Washington instead of having to go lose to Alabama. And I, I think that the people who are it's mostly Buckeye fans that I've seen online complaining about an ESPN bias against Ohio State or about how the playoff has an SEC bias or has an anti-Big Ten bias. Y'all, just shut up. It's not It's not true. Stop trying to make it true. It's not true. ESPN loves Ohio State. ESPN loves the Big Ten. They don't have any kind of agenda other than just supporting Power 5 conferences. I, I think that the only people who have an actual legitimate claim that ESPN doesn't like them as UCF or other G5 programs. But like ESPN and the playoff are perfectly fine with Ohio State. And the reason that the SEC has so many top teams is because the SEC is really good. And that's, that's just kind of, that's kind of it. And that's, I, I mean, I know that that's that's tough for some Buckeye fans to hear to admit that their conference isn't as good as the SEC, but it's not. And I think that that's my um, my one standing on the soapbox for for today is that people need to stop complaining about ESPN and the SEC so much. I feel like Washington probably also has a legitimate beef against ESPN after yeah, after what, yeah, that after was, what yeah. happened last year. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I I think people are, if you think that ESPN doesn't want Ohio State to make the playoff, you're crazy. Would, yeah. Do you think that top ESPN executives would rather have Alabama, Oklahoma or Alabama, Ohio State? Even if Alabama just wallops the hell out of Ohio State at the very at the very least ESPN 
gets out of that. Urban Meyer's done. He's not on Nick Saban's level anymore. That's for, for as much talk about Clemson, Alabama, as there has been in, in rematch after rematch. The game that I think that the general public wants to see and ESPN would want to see is Ohio State, Alabama because of the two head coaches. We've already seen it in the playoff before. That That's the game that I think that if you ask them, hey, what would you want? It would be that one. And I'm with you. I, I've made peace with this season. Um, even We're kind of in a no-lose situation because even if Ohio State loses to Northwestern, it just means they what they would just go to a, a New Year's think, Six Bowl. Yeah, and then, the and then fiasco, Michigan, Michigan would get knocked out of a New Year's Six Bowl and have to play in like the Outback Bowl again against, <laughs> against Will Muschamp and lose again. So, hey, we're, we're good either way here, but... You know, I, I, I'm not opposed to going to the Rose Bowl. That would be an awesome way to end the season. I think that they will beat the hell out of Washington or Utah, whoever they play, if that happens to be the case. And if they do go to the playoff and, and play Alabama, you know what? We, we've talked about it. I don't particularly want to see that because I think it could get ugly. But at the same time, you know, you don't get into big-time college football and not want to play those games. You're not Urban Meyer. You're not Ryan Day. You're not these players if you don't want to play those games. And I think that if, if that did happen, I would make my peace with that game before it happened. And it would just be gravy at that point. So we'll, we'll discuss that more after the Northwestern game and after these playoff rankings come out. But do you have any other thoughts about championship week? Um, not necessarily about championship week, but we do have some somewhat breaking news as we're recording this podcast, not related to Ohio State, but college football as a whole. So Paul Johnson's retiring from Georgia Tech, apparently, and their their first candidate, according to um, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, is Ken the what is his what is his last name? Um, Ken Wisenhut hunt from oh, no yeah the oh, chargers no. yeah and um he he's the top candidate and number two is clemson offensive coordinator tony elliott which i think would actually be better um i would like it if they would just hire willie fritz but they're they're not going to i guess and the the connection there with with ken is that georgia tech's athletic director played with him at Georgia Tech in the 80s, which sucks super bad. That's a very bad reason to hire a person. But that seems to just be what college football is doing now, where they go out and hire uh, bad coaches. I, I mean, you know, we, we love Mac Brown on this show, but I don't think he's a particularly good football coach anymore. And uh, Ken was never a good football coach, really, ever. You take that back, you sack of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, How I dare just, you? I don't know what's going on with the college football retreads right now. I wish it would stop. <laughs> Sally, call the G6. We're flying to Ohio. I'm whooping some ass. <laughs> yeah, as, as somebody who has worked in sports now since 2012, 2013, God damn. This, is, this is a larger issue in sports of people who aren't qualified and who just like, hey, I've known this guy from my past. Let's hire him for this super high-profile job. He's actually terrible. Like This is something you see in the inner workings of sports and not just in the coaching field, and it separates. It's what makes sports great and also so incredibly stupid because it doesn't operate like a normal place should operate where you see guys fail 
consistently. And then other people are just like, hey, come take this high-profile job. We want to give you a lot of money. And yeah, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I would prefer that Georgia Tech gets away from that option style if only because they are close to they're basically in Atlanta and I know that they have certain restrictions academically and you know they they're not going to be able to compete with Georgia and Clemson and some of these other SEC schools that just raid that area for talent but there's a lot of I think underdeveloped under scouted talent in that area as well that Georgia Tech should be making a lot more hay on being in the ACC, and I don't know who that guy is. Maybe it is Tony Elliott. It's or certainly just, not Ken Wisenhunt. Yeah, it's certainly not <laughs> Ken Wisenhunt, though. And I think that that's, that's a interesting thing that we may see in college football after this Herm Edwards thing is more guys like that that are NFL retreads and are out of a job and may not be getting other head coaching jobs now because – you know, they failed or for whatever reason it may be, they go back down to college football, whether it's to just be a head coach there or to try to rehabilitate themselves to get back up to the NFL level. But I'm, I'm not here for it. I am not here for watching. What, what if like we're seeing the NFL embrace the spread now? What if we just see call it like the, the rules uh, and we just see I like hate the, that. the pro style <laughs> offense is the thing now. In college uh, football. But no, it's it's super bad, and hopefully they don't do that. This coaching season really hasn't picked up steam yet, but it seems like in the next couple of days, a lot of stuff is going to go on. Knowing this show, Jeff Brom is going to get hired by Louisville the second that we hit stop, and, and we'll have to wait until the next episode to talk about it. But update as I'm editing this podcast, it appears that Jeff Brom will stay at Purdue. So there's that. Carry on. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like that very much. That would be that would be objectively bad. You know what we would like and would be objectively good? Uh, Ohio State head coach Mike McCarthy in the episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. That's very bad. Hopefully that Browns head coach Mike McCarthy. I saw that yesterday. Ohio State head coach Hugh Jackson. Uh, listen. <laughs> You can't col- sell me on this. If, if college football, <laughs> if college football moves to a system where you get the first pick in the draft, I'm with it. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that that would be cool. <laughs> my other, my last thought for today is I'm actually going to the Pac-12 championship. My girlfriend. Why? Works, my girlfriend works for Levi Stadium in the okay. 49ers, so Fine. I have I have a free ticket, and I'm going <laughs> to that game, and I'm going to Cal Stanford the day after before I have to live tweet the Ohio state game, uh, for, for land grant. So it's going to be a busy weekend for your boy. I'm yeah. Goodness. I was really kind of upset that Washington state didn't make the PAC 12 title game just because I wanted an excuse to drink with other super crazy people. So I'll have to figure out who from Washington is going to this game or Utah. If they're maybe the Mormons can party (laughs) that are, that are interested in that sort of thing. If you're going to the PAC 12 championship, holler at your boy at Dubsco on Twitter, or if you're going to Cal Stanford as well. So a a lot of PAC 12 football for me this weekend, I feel like I'm going to need to get vaccinated before. And I also have to watch Northwestern. So it's going to be a triumvirate and uh, a, an interesting slash bad way to end the college football regular season. Yeah, pretty inarguably bad way to end the college football season. Very. I will say Cal's defense 
Very good. It's good. Yeah. And the, the um, I've heard that the view from that stadium is extremely pretty. You can see like San Francisco from the top of the stadium and um, the the experience at Cal is very nice. That's that's what I've heard. So you should you should be able to at least enjoy everything that isn't the football part of that game. I won't tolerate you slandering Justin Wilcox and Mac Brown on the same episode. <laughs> I'm coming to get you, asshole. Ohio I'll kill State, you. Ohio State head coach Mac Brown. We could really corner the market if that happened. We would have we would be the only podcast with Mac Brown on. <laughs> That would be the best thing that could have ever happened. I would have been okay with that. Yeah, I think that that would be good. I mean, it, it's you know terrible for our program, but it's tremendous content. That's that's been this whole season. Terrible for the program. Tremendous content. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's what happens when you hire Greg Schiano. It's I mean, you're gonna die. The program will die. It'll be bad. But it's just so funny to watch him struggle. <laughs> It, it always it always contracts MRSA. It always does. Yep, you're gonna get MRSA. <laughs> when do these playoff rankings come out? Is it Sunday? To end this Is episode this... before we get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Are the playoff rankings Sunday? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so whenever the playoff rankings come out, we will have a new episode recapping whatever happens in this game, the rest of championship week, uh, ESPN's SEC bias. We'll we'll talk for two hours about that but whenever those come out we will break all of this down the playoff where ohio state is going to be in the postseason and everything else in the world of college football but until then make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land find the show there subscribe to us on apple podcasts search hang out in the holy land you can find it there follow us on twitter at holy land pod Follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter. Visit the site. Read all of our content. we got a bunch of stuff coming your way leading up to the Big Ten title game. Follow Patrick on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. I am at Dubs Co. And that's pretty much it. So until Sunday afternoon, we will see you then. For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks.